Okay, okay, okay. Come on in. Gather around. I don't need a pen. If I need a pen, we're in trouble. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn toward the back of the book, uh, the, the, the whole book. We're looking for the book of Galatians. So it's right before Ephesians. Uh, so toward the back of the book. We're starting a series here tonight called The Revolutionary Gospel. A series through Galatians called The Revolutionary Gospel. And we're going to take the next eight to ten weeks to study through the book. So tonight I'm going to preach just the introduction, the first five verses of Galatians chapter one. And I want to suggest that the introduction, in the introduction, you'll find a microcosm of the gospel, the whole of the gospel crunched down into succinct form. And so tonight, hear the word of the Lord. I'll read Galatians 1, 1 through 5, and then we'll pray. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me, Paul is writing to the church, the churches in Galatia, And he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, so Lord, we say, come and speak to us. Lord, I do not nearly have enough as the preacher to do this work. If we're depending on me tonight to do this work, we're all in big trouble. But Lord, if you will speak and if you will take these feeble words and if you will enliven them with your spirit, Lord, if you will come and walk these aisles and if you will come and rearrange our hearts, we'll be just fine. Lord, if you will come and soften us and open us up, We have so much that we carry from this week, Lord. And we need you to address it tonight by the life of your spirit. And so we say, come and speak. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our strength and our redeemer, and we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Word is getting out about Colorado Springs. Disaffected Okies like me coming out here and making home and got all these Californians and Texans moving up in this place and finding home. And, And you know, there's big piles of dirt everywhere. And as they're digging to build these new homes, Dave building homes and Matt, all these folks building homes, what they're discovering is the ancient Garden of Eden. Like we actually live in the ancient Garden of Eden. I don't know, uh, geologists are confirming that we are right here in the fertile crescent of Colorado Springs. Like this is, we live where people pay to vacation. And I hope you don't ever take that for granted. And building is happening all over town. They're saying that in the next 10 or so years, maybe 15 years, we'll be bigger than Denver County down here in El Paso County. Like, yeah, boo. Hashtag property values, okay? You can tell there's building with all these piles of dirt everywhere and building starts with excavation, with digging out, with 
with, with going to the bottom to find bedrock. And written in 50 AD, there's controversy swirling all throughout this region. And it's 20 years after Jesus has ascended. I mean, we, we read this with 2,000 years of hindsight and we go, oh, bless their hearts. This is 20 years after Jesus went. And the gospel of the resurrected Lord is going throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. Like you can't stop the story of this resurrected Jew called Jesus of Nazareth. And so these people are living in the middle of it and there's a storm that's swirling. There's, there, there's things to work out. And there's the rugged terrain and the unruly overgrowth of false gospels and false little g gods. And Paul is writing to these beleaguered people. And he's digging. He's, he's, he's beginning to build an argument here. So he's clearing the ground and he's finding bedrock. And now he's packing down the solid earth to lay the foundation of this entire letter. And right here at the beginning of Galatians chapter 1 we see the foundation. What is the foundation that Paul builds this letter to the Galatians on? Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of the good news. Boiled Christianity down, there was a man who was dead. He claimed to be the son of the living God. He was born of the virgin. There's so much swirling around his story. And he went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. And life was breaking out and the poor were being fed and, and, and the lonely were being brought into families. But then they put him in the grave and they thought the story was over until it wasn't. On Sunday morning, early, the stone was rolled away and this man, Jesus, is racing down the dusty roads of Palestine all over again with the good news that I am the Lord of life. If you want to boil down the gospel, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is our story. Lisa and I love having people over at our house and love hosting, entertaining, sharing meals and kids running all over the place. And you know what? In all the years of having people over to our houses, we've had a few houses here in town and no one has ever said to us, they've never walked into our house and go, I just love your foundation. <laughs> it's stunning. How did, who laid this foundation? Who poured this for you? This is unbelievable craftsmanship. This foundation is just, no one, in 16 years, no one has ever commented on our foundation, yet every single thing that has happened in that house is because of that foundation. Every great meal we've ever had was made possible by a really good foundation. Every meaningful conversation we've ever had in our house was possible because of a good foundation. Every bedtime tuck-in prayer and every great story we've read to our children was possible because of a wonderful and solid foundation. And Paul wants to get these people packed down on solid earth. He wants them to build from the ground up and have a story that won't collapse. And so he tells them at the very beginning and at the very bottom, at the very Genesis, at the very core of your story, Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And this is the good news of the gospel. Paul will not really mention the resurrection much more in these next six chapters, but it's the rock bottom foundation upon which this gospel is built. And why does that foundation matter? Why would Paul tell them this as the beginning and sort of the bedrock of their story? The simple answer is because life is really hard. Like, 
Maybe you've lived just a little bit and maybe you've gone to courtrooms you never expected to go to and maybe you've gone to hospital rooms you've never expected to go to and maybe, maybe you've had relationships that you thought were forever and they're, they're decimated, they're broken up. But life is really hard. If you pay attention to the, the front page of the news, I, there's just not a whole lot of great news out there on those pages. And so he writes this letter to the churches in Galatia. What do we know about the churches in Galatia? They're living in Turkey. There's idolatry everywhere. I wanna show you this, uh, this map. It's a bad map, forgive me, it's the best I could find. <laughs> Pixelated like a son of a gun. I mean, just a terrible map. <laughs> could have gotten Drew McCalman on this, you know, give me a little something nicer, but you know, it's a pastor on a Friday afternoon, that's what I can do. Galatia. Antioch and Iconium and Derby and Lystra. There's four churches in southern Galatia. And life is hard for them. In Turkey, there's idolatry everywhere. Okay, you can put that terrible map away. <laughs> idolatry everywhere. There's temples everywhere. There's weekly and monthly and yearly festivals. And these people in Turkey, in Galatia, in this area, they were highly superstitious. And so they had all their little gods set up in their homes, all their little idols. And if we needed more rain, we would go over to this and we would make sacrifice and we would light incense here and burn a candle there. And we would call on this God to give us more rain. And if we needed some sunlight and if we needed fertility, we would go over here and, and we would worship at this, this little false God. And these people were super superstitious and and so they would go to you know, these believers, these, these people who were following Jesus, and they wouldn't worship these idols. And they would say, come on, you're a threat to our society. We need everyone on board with this. You know, don't, don't mess us up. Don't be the reason that we don't have what we need. And so these Christians would abstain from worshiping these false gods, and they would get the finger pointed at them. And these people living in Turkey were under the Iron fist, the, 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 the domination, the rule of the great Roman Empire, the, the greatest empire on the face of the earth at that point. And they didn't, they didn't want to mess things up there because now they aren't worshiping Caesar over there in Rome. And so now the Turkish people who, who see these Christians, they aren't worshiping their idols. And so they're already a threat to our society. But here you go not worshiping Caesar and now you're going to send his army in to to. to Knock us down, like just come apart, play the game, don't be difficult. So these Christians are getting it from every single side. They're living in hostile territory. They're a, a small minority. And so Paul tells them, yeah, I know life is difficult. And yeah, I know you're paying for it. And yeah, I know it costs you to say that you follow this resurrected Lord. And yeah, I know it costs you to take up your own unique little crosses there and deny yourself and follow Jesus. But I just need you to know that God raised Jesus from the dead. And whatever happens to you, your life is going to end up on the right side of history. Your life is going to end up on the right side of life. Like just keep going. Life is difficult, but God raised Jesus from the dead. So keep on going. You see, the good news was sent to carry us through the badlands. 
The good news was sent to carry us through the badlands. The resurrection is our story in a land of death. And the kindness of Jesus is our story in a world of hatred. And the love of Jesus is our story in an empire built on fear and intimidation and domination. And so Paul says, just keep going. God raised Jesus. And I know that's not always gonna feel great to you. And I know that's not gonna simplify your life. But I promise you, if you will stay with the one who was dead and then raised, you too will be raised. The resurrection is our story. The resurrection is the good news that will carry us through the badlands. I just got an email yesterday and it breaks my heart to even say this. But Pastor William has been in this room before from Lahore, Pakistan. Any of you remember Pastor William coming? He's come through the years. I just got an email from him yesterday and our team is working on it and we're arranging funds and we're seeing what we can do. But the Taliban has come to Pastor William again, threatening to kill his four daughters. And they've done this before. He's, he's on a TV over there and, and they burned down his first TV station. They said, quit telling the world about Jesus or we'll burn your place down. And he said, you're gonna have to burn it down because I cannot stop telling this story. I was made, I was saved by this story. I live for this story. I will die for this story. And this story will raise me up one day. And so he kept going and sure enough, I've seen the video of his studio being burned to a crisp. We rallied some funds and people all over the earth came together and said, Pastor William, we're with you, keep going. And so we sent money with him and he got a new studio going and he went from local TV to satellite TV, broadcasting into 29 nations across the Middle East and Asia. And he said they're getting 200 calls a day, sometimes up to 1,000 calls a day of people saying yes to Jesus because of the good news. The Taliban just came to him again this week and they said, if you don't stop, we will kill your four daughters. And so now they're seeking political asylum. He's trying to keep his family alive. Do you know that life is really hard? Do you know that following Jesus is costly? Pastor William, the, the easiest thing for him to do would be go, just, just, I'll live a simple and quiet life. I'll just mind my own business. Just, just, shh. But he goes, I... I have to, there is one who was dead and our father raised him up on the third day and he ascended on high and he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his king, the Taliban is going away, but his kingdom will have no end and even if I go away telling that truth, he will raise me up one day. We're working, we're working, we're, we're moving funds around, we're gonna see if we can get him out of, out of that uh, that difficult situation and over here to a safe place, but it's just, life is hard sometimes. Following Jesus is costly sometimes. And so Paul needs them to know at the very bedrock of your existence, at the very bedrock of your story, there's gonna be pain and difficulty out here, but I promise you, if you'll stay with Jesus, you will be hitching your wagon to life. Resurrection is the story. This letter was written to churches in hostile territories and there are different kinds of hostile territories and I'm not here, we're not trying to play the victim, we're not trying to drum up our life is so hard, but I'm just here to name that sometimes following Jesus, it costs us. Some of you have lost family relationships because they don't understand you. You are so strange, what? What? 
Why would you raise your kids like that? It's so narrow, this ancient holy book. Give me a break. Why don't you just, are you, we're enlightened over here and you stupid backwards person living this old story. Like, why don't you come into the 21st century? Have you ever had someone kind of distance themselves from you because you follow Jesus? Maybe some of you have missed out on promotions at work because they just, they don't get you. You go to those company parties and you're different and there's things that you won't participate in and it's cost you. Some of you have felt ostracized. and Again, I'm not trying to play the victim here, but I'm just here to tell you that following Jesus has historically been costly and in coming decades, it will become increasingly more costly to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And so Paul needs us to know, yeah, If you will stay with the resurrected one, resurrection will right-size your story. Resurrection is the prevailing paradigm, the prevailing reality that we carry around in our imagination, in our souls, in our psyches that keeps us going. And so what does Paul say to them next? Paul says to them in verse three, grace and peace. Everyone say grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's amazing to me what Paul does not say. He doesn't go, give it back to him. Yeah, you just bow up, just stand up there in Turkey and let him know and exercise your rights. He, He doesn't call them to arms. He doesn't call them to fight. He doesn't call them to get this negative animus and this negativity and fighting back. He, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Occasionally I'll get emails or I'll have conversations with people who attend the church and they want me to use this pulpit to go off on red-faced rants against the world, against the darkness of the world. Come on, pastor, turn it into a bully pulpit. You gotta take a stand, you gotta say this, you gotta say that, you gotta get mad at this group, you gotta get mad at that person, you gotta get mad at that talking head, and I just tell them, I'm not going to do it. I, I won't do it. You know why? Because the gospel message is grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. They want me to get up here and say the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And look, I get it. I'm concerned too. There's, there's a, abortion and, and, and gender and sexuality stuff and crazy policies happening and our national lack of interest for the poor. There are so many things that bother me. There are so many things that I take into the presence of the Lord in prayer and I, I wrestle with God. And sometimes I'll talk about that here, but I'm not gonna talk about it in the devil's way. I'm not gonna tell the Jesus story in the devil's way. I'm not gonna get up here and scream and yell and stir up a storm of strife and I'm not gonna amplify the cultural chaos. You know, that would be the easiest thing to do. The easiest thing to do is to throw red meat to the dogs. What do the people want me to say? Oh, oh yeah, you want me to get mad at that? And you get in here in church and clap and all, and, and, and all we're doing is we're reinforcing the madness of the world. Paul says, hey, I know life is difficult and I know that the screws are getting tightened on you and I know policies are being passed that are absolutely against your faith and I know that you're getting ostracized at work and I know that your family at Thanksgiving meals, they didn't have Thanksgiving back then, but you understand. <laughs> I know your family at those, those Thanksgiving meals, they don't know what to do with you and grace 
and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will stay with the resurrected one, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you will fear no evil for he is with you and his rod and his staff. They comfort you and he'll prepare a table before you, even in the presence of your Turkish enemies and your Roman enemies and even your Jewish enemies. And he'll anoint your head with oil and your cup will overflow and surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And don't look now, but you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The easiest thing to do would be to stand up on this stage and to play to the, to the crowd and to, to, to preach to the choir and to throw red meat to the dogs and to swirl up a storm and try to fight fire with fire and evil with evil, but I will not tell the Jesus truth in the devil way and I just won't do it because the gospel proclamation is if you are following the crucified and the risen and the ascended Lord Jesus who is coming again, then grace and peace are your inheritance from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that when you come to this place on a Friday night or on a Sunday or any of our congregations, you come out of the storm into the grace and the peace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd find a different way to live in a world of madness. And I pray that you would learn to turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile and to bless those who curse you and to pray for those who despitefully use you. And if it means you stretch out your arms and they put nails in your hands and your feet and a spear in your side and a crown, if, if you begin to look like Jesus, that you would know that you're in good company and that Jesus, his story did not stop with death because he is the resurrected one. Can you say amen tonight? Amen. In a world of angst and anxiety, we need a message of grace and peace. Movement number three, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ who, who gave himself. You see this cross here. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. What Paul is saying is that because Jesus gave himself, because Jesus was crushed by the madness, because Jesus didn't, fight back and swirl up another cultural chaotic storm because Jesus absorbed the blow and took the very worst of death and hell and the grave and sin and evil and war and rumor of war, all the hatred and all the madness because he received that. He gave himself for our sins and in doing so, what he ends up doing is rescuing us from this present evil age so that we're lifted up out of one paradigm and we're set down in another. We're lifted up out of one kingdom of darkness and we're set down in the kingdom of light. We're set down in the kingdom of the son that the father loves and we're playing by Jesus's rules. There are new possibilities that begin to break out because of what Jesus has done for us. He rescued us from our sins and he rescued us from the power of this evil Age And because we have been rescued from it, we can live differently. We can live as the embodied announcement of grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We can live 
as the people of resurrection in a world of death. There's a story, there's a man that lives in our city who grew up in Puerto Rico and then went to New York City in the 1940s, 1950s. His name is Nicky Cruz. Some of you will know the name Nicky Cruz. He's 82 years old and he lives in Colorado Springs. Puerto Rican man. When Nicky was a young buck, he had blood, just this red blood racing through his veins and he loved to take it out on people, drug lord, gang, just a gangbanger in New York City. And this Puerto Rican gang called the Mau Mau's. And, and he was in the, in the slums and he was the guy, when he walked the streets, you know, he had his collar popped and he had that swag and that little bounce in his step and he had, you know, folding money in his pocket, you know, gold chains and cash money. He's doing drugs and whatever he wanted, he ran those streets in his neighborhood in New York City. And there was this gringo called David Wilkerson. Crazy gringo. And David... He heard this announcement of grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because this Jesus is the one who was crucified but on the third day he rose and and he died and he rescued us from this present evil age. And David, that story got into his blood. And so David heard about these Mau Mau's and he knew that they were living a life that was cutting against the grain of the universe. It was, it was a life that was going to lead to death and, and death was all over those streets. And so this gringo, this crazy gringo started walking into this Mau Mau territory with the announcement that Jesus Christ is Lord and he loves you like crazy and you can come home and you think you're strong and you think you're powerful and you think you're rich and you think you're something. But let me tell you about this one who actually... <laughs> who gave up his riches to become poor and who gave up his life so that we could all find it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And these these Mau Mau's, Nikki especially, being the leader of the gang, he said, get out of here. You're not welcome in our neighborhood. But David just kept coming back day after day. Jesus Christ is Lord and I love you and I'll serve you and whatever you need, Jesus Christ is Lord. And Nikki Cruz finally one day, he said, you come near me and I'll kill you. And David Wilkerson famously said, yeah, you could do that. You could cut me me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street and every piece will still love you. (laughs) Nicky Cruz didn't know what to do with that. Because he was used... He was used to being the guy that when he would threaten someone, they would cow and they would run away, that, that he, he would find himself in the position of power afterwards. And yet this crazy gringo comes in talking about this man who was killed and raised on the third day. And now this guy, David Wilkerson, is actually showing that in his kindness and in his love, this is what power looks like. Yeah, you can do that. You can cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them all over the street. And every piece will still Love you. And Nikki, his evil, his hatred, his, his fight, it was exhausted. He, like, you can't push up against love like that. <laughs> he was trying to fight, and, and because David laid down in the love of Jesus, Nikki's evil was exhausted, and Nikki started, his heart starting, started to change, and he came up against real love. Nikki came to Jesus and now preaches the gospel all over the world because evil cannot break unrelenting love. darkness cannot snuff out light light runs out the darkness and the light that was in David Wilkerson ran out the darkness that was in Nikki Cruz and now Nikki Cruz goes all over the world even as an 82 year old saying Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and people are getting saved by the hundreds of thousands why? because love drives out the madness 
I just heard a story, one more thing. Jesus, right, he suffered, he died, and in doing so, he rescued us from this present evil age. Last story, I heard the story of a husband and wife who decades ago were divorced. And there was separation, there was heartache, there was brokenness in relationship, there was devastation. Just any of you who've experienced that or been around that, you just know what happens in those moments. And this husband and wife had been divorced decades ago and years later, this wife remarried. And not too, too long ago, she and her new, her new husband found out that her ex-husband was diagnosed with cancer that was eating him alive. If you play by the world's rules, you go, yeah, mm mm-hmm. You kind of turn your back on that story. Like, we said our goodbyes years ago. That's what the world says. That's what the devil tells us has to be the script. Oh, yeah. But because the love of Jesus, because Jesus rescued this woman and her husband from this present evil age, you know what they did. They took him into their home. And they fed him. And they bathed him. And they prayed for him. And they tucked him in at night. Are you serious? Who does that? People that have been rescued from this present evil age by Jesus Christ who exhausted evil. And they ushered her ex-husband into the arms of Jesus. He died in their home. Only the cross of Jesus can do that. Only people whose lives have been built on the foundation of the resurrection. We can live differently. We can be the people of God in a world gone mad. We can bless those that curse us. We can pray for those who despitefully use us. We can even lose a promotion at work and go, it's okay. Jesus will sort it out. Friends, we live in a world that increasingly will become hostile to those who follow the man that hung on the tree outside of the gates of Jerusalem. But it will be okay because Jesus Christ is Lord and he has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he is coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And so the call right now is to get in line with the man from Galilee. The call right now is to follow Jesus Christ and to carry our crosses and deny ourselves and follow him And don't look now, but the world will be saved as we do. Can you say amen tonight? Stand with me. I want to say to you tonight that the death of Jesus was the final nail in the coffin of this present evil age. And here at this moment of communion, we remember that. Here at this moment of communion, Jesus is addressing the evil inside of us. Jesus is addressing, we've got people walking around. If you need communion elements, would you raise your hand? 
Jesus is addressing all the stuff that we bring to this moment, all the shame, all the embarrassment, all the evil, all the hatred, all the perversion, all of it. Jesus is here tonight to rescue us from this present evil age. The age that's living inside of us, but he's also here to rescue us from the present evil age that's swirling all around us. And tonight, this is just now coming to me, tonight as we receive the communion that Jesus is giving to us, I want us to pray for Pastor William. I want us to pray for his wife and his four daughters. Can you just right now begin to take them up into your heart and to begin to intercede for them? Let's turn this into a prayer meeting that we didn't expect to have. Lord, right now we have, we just, we have our hearts broken for those six. We say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. What would it be like to live that way? Oh, Jesus, save them. Save them. Come on, church, pray. Pray. Jesus, save those four girls. And don't just save them from death, but save them from fear, save them from anxiety. Save them from hatred, Lord. Save them from having to live looking over their shoulders. Lord, save those six, we pray. They're living halfway around the world, but they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and our hearts are broken for them tonight. And so we rebuke in the name of Jesus every threat that the enemy has raised up against them. In Jesus' name, shut it down. Shut it down. Psalm 91, for he will give his angels charge over you to keep you safe. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Lord, keep them. Rescue them from this present evil age. And now Jesus, rescue us in all the ways that we need to be rescued. Rescue us from hatred. Rescue us from tribalism. Oh God, rescue us from tribalism. Rescue us from living with a a middle finger to everybody else and every other hate group, every other group that we think is so stupid. Lord, rescue us from pride. Make us humble again. Make us gracious again. Make us tender again. Make us clean again. Make us pure again. Make us laugh again. Jesus, how do you take up a cup of wine on the night you're going to (laughs) die? Because you knew where the story was going. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that that kind of resurrection life would get in our souls and our psyches and in our bloodstream so that we could live differently. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that wafer there? He took the bread and he broke it knowing that he was gonna be broken hours later. Knowing that his people would be broken throughout their lives. Knowing that the church would be threatened, the gospel would be resisted. Brokenness is all over this story and we know brokenness. 
Jesus takes it and he breaks it. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, you have what you need to live the life Jesus has called you to. You may receive the bread. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant. We don't understand covenant. It's the new, it's the new, like God will not walk away from you. He has bound himself to you in his blood. Jesus says, I am, irrevocably for you. (laughs) I have paid everything. All my chips are on the table with and for you because I'll spill my blood to rescue you from this present evil age. This is the cup of the new covenant given in my blood, given for the remission of your sins. Church tonight, the gospel proclamation is some strange, mysterious way We are clean because of what Jesus has done for us. We are new. We are fresh. We are new creation. There's vitality in us. There's joy in us. There's cleanliness. We're clean. So let all of your shame be rebuked into the grave tonight. Do this for the remembrance of me, Jesus said. You may receive the cup. And now let's sing our story tonight. Forgiveness is in you 
Would you go to A? Could we go back to pure exaltation and do that bridge? We're gonna sing, you silenced fear and all shame. You conquered death and the grave. It's a crazy world out there, but we are people that are free of fear. <laughs> We're free of fear. Death, death can't really do it. <laughs> So I want us to sing this from the depths of our being. I want Some of you are going to have to like speak those things that are not as though they were tonight. Like you're going to sing it by faith because death really scares you. Fear really controls you. But I believe tonight, like as we lift our hands and as we shout this at the top of our lungs, that things are being broken up in our systems and, and this freedom is taking root. So let's begin to sing this together. You silence fear and all shame. Silence, fear, and I'll shake. Come on, you church. Conquer death and the grave. To you, the glory, Jesus. You broke the curse of our sin. The life of heaven begins. To you, the glory, Jesus. You silence. You silence, fear. the benediction over you I pray that holy boldness <laughs> would rise fearlessness would rise childlike joy would return some of you are so weary because you've lost your joy I pray that you'd laugh this week like you haven't laughed in a decade <laughs> Pray that lightness would return to your spirit. That you'd be free. That you'd be able to live open-handed and open-hearted at work. 
that your street that you live on would change because you've changed. And I pray may the Lord our God bless you and keep you and may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and grant you and all of your people peace. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. Let's give it up for what the Lord's done here tonight. It's thick. It's been thick in this place tonight. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If any of you need prayer, we would love to agree with you. Men, Thursday morning, 7 a.m., World Prayer Center, come see us. And if you're new, come see us at New Life Next in Student Chapel. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.